Lord, for us to open the eternal book and look into its pages and not ask for your help would be crazy. Lord, here's what's even crazier about this whole entire thing, and that is I thought I knew where I was going in the text until I read one phrase just a moment ago, uh, and Lord, I need your help right now, and uh, Lord, I, I ask that you would speak to my heart, speak to our heart, help us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I am by nature an optimist. I am by nature, it's going to be okay. You're going to be okay. I'm by nature that way. To the point of irritation to people around me. God bless you. You're going to be just fine. And not to anger one of our members, and if you'll plug your ears right now, hang in there. So that's just me. You know, that's me. You break one leg, praise God you got one to hop on. You know, you blow a tire, then it's like, praise God you got that little donut. You just can't go there. But praise God you got that thing. You know, if you run out of money... Praise God you got leftovers. That's just how I am. And so a lot of times when I read a text or I go to the, a book and I start reading passages, it's not good enough for me to walk away with that. Like this morning, for instance. I, if you put this morning screen slide up there, I, 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 I spoke this morning. They're going to find it. This has been a Job kind of day. That screen bothered me the entire service. And when I ended the service and walked out, I'm like, that bothers me. When I was studying the text for Sunday morning, that bothered me. And for five weeks, this sermon this morning has so bothered me. And I'll tell you why. That's not me. That's not me. So then tonight, if you will, this is me. This is what I want to preach on tonight. How to make it through a Job kind of day. <laughs> Go back to the beginning. This morning it was like, that bothered me. I mean, y'all, y'all don't understand. When I landed this morning, I felt like, did you, did you notice about, about a quarter into the sermon, I thought, aren't you glad you come to be discouraged? You know, and then when I got home this afternoon, I was like, can we just kind of meet right after church? Everybody go get lunch, come back, and, and let's have an afternoon service. How many would have been in favor of that? Yeah. And then we could have come back at 5.30, and I could have preached the next Sunday morning. No, I'm kidding. But, but this has been a Some of you are thinking, not me, because the law says I only got to go twice. Ha-ha. Um, so, <laughs> you bunch of heathens. You knew you were thinking it, John Smith. And uh, this has been a Job kind of day. I want to preach tonight on this. How to make it through a Job kind of day. I want you to go to Job chapter 1. And I want you to look. And if you took the book of Job and you cut out the Job day. You cut out every effect from the Job day. The book of Job would not be that long. You cut out all the hard times, and, and, and I appreciate the soberness and the somberness uh, from this morning. But look at Job chapter 1 and verse 1. There was a man in the land of Uz, not Oz, but Uz, whose name was Job, and that man was perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil. Let's stop and just kind of look at this. He was perfect. Perfect literally means that when you looked at him, you would say, wow, what a guy. What 
a guy. Body communicates to this world of comfort, hunger, smells. We're at the mercy of it. Your spirit communicates to God, and that's why that conviction that sometimes a believer feels is, is or that bad feeling is nothing more than the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God. That communicates to God, but then the soul communicates to man. You can see somebody afar off, and your soul automatically will tell you, run, run. Something wrong with that person, run. Women have this. It's called the sixth sense, and I hate that about you women. I hate that about you, and I'm going to tell you why, because I hate the fact you're always right. But that's what it is. The word perfect means that if you ever saw Job afar off, this is one of those kind of guys. In fact, that gives us indication in the book of Job that he used to be very well respected in the gates. It, the children and everybody, older people, everybody so loved Job. He was, he was perfect. Look at it says, and upright. What it literally means is, is that his first knee-jerk reaction was to do right. That's what the word upright means. Have you ever gone to the doctor and you crossed your legs and they took that little mallet and, and they hit down and then all of a sudden your, your, your knee jerk like that? You know, that's called a knee-jerk reaction. Job was so this kind of guy that he had a moral base, that his moral base was always to default to right. That's what upright means. My, my first move is, well, we just got to do what's right. This was Job. He was perfect. He was upright, one that feared God. These four things that are said about him, feared God, he just had this reverence of God. I mean, to the point that no slang words about God came out. That, that this just didn't, there was just this fear, this reverence. Not afraid, but fear. And then escheweth evil. Escheweth evil simply means this. If evil is in my path, I will go as, long, uh, as far out of my path to avoid the evil. This was Job. Job was well put together. Job was that kind of guy you would love. Job was that kind of guy that when he was in the gates that all of a sudden you would love Job. You would want to go see Job. You would want to get close enough to shake his hand. He was the celebrity of his day, but he didn't really realize how well-respected he was because he was this guy that could be trusted because his first reaction was always to do what's right. He truly had a reverence for the Lord. And by the way, you can't have true reverence without humility. When you meet somebody who has pride in their life, they don't fear the Lord. Because when you fear the Lord, you realize who you are like Isaiah. You know, Isaiah chapter 1 says, woe is you. Chapter 2, woe is you. Chapter 3, woe is you. And woe is you. And woe is you. And woe is you. When he got to chapter 5 and the king died and he saw God high and lifted up, guess what he said? Woe is me. And when you fear the Lord, you put the Lord in his right place and then you start fearing then all of a sudden, this last thing is he eschewed evil. So go to come to verse number two. And there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. How many children did he have? Yes, seven plus three is ten. Thank you, Austin. Thank you. You don't have to stay because you got it right. And uh, sit down. Uh, so 
Seven sons, three daughters. Look at his substance was also 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 she asses, and a very great household, so that this man was the greatest of all men of the east. And his sons went and feasted in their houses, every one his day, and sent and called for their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And it was so, when the days of their feasting were gone about, that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. Now, I don't know how old Job is, and maybe there's some scholars um, out here, people that do know. And Terry Thompson, Brother Thompson, if you, is he here? He's the only man I would know that would know. Him or Joe Koenig. Do you know? Arthur Carsons, do you know? He was 85. Joe Winger. Okay. My scholars, I'm checking in. So understand that it doesn't give us a depth, but we do know he was old enough that he had children that were old enough to make decisions that might dishonor the Lord. Now, we do know that. We do know that he had children that did not live with him. We do know he had children that he was worried about their behavior religiously. And so he said, it may be that my sons have sinned, and curse God in their heart. Now, this is a whole nother sermon, but I find it very interesting that sin is humanity. Cursing God in the heart is evil. And it just may be that they're living this human life, but in their heart, they've got something against God. And Job was saying this, I, I, better, I better make offering for them because I don't want them to live this way. Here is Job. And Job's life pre-Satan. Job's life pre that day was a life of just normal living, grown children, away. Here's a wealthy businessman. But we all know that when we come to verse 6, in verse number 6, this is where the problems begin to happen. Then we travel to verse number 2. Then to chapter 2, I should say. Then we tra travel to chapter 3. Y'all can just keep flipping through the entire book, if you will. And it, it is dotted with, with physical, financial, family. And all of a sudden, even his wife said, curse God and die. But I want you to travel all the way to the end of the book. This is where I want to, want to, what I want to give you. You need to adopt a mindset about your God. And we all need to adopt a mindset about this day. If you're going through a Job day, if you're going through that kind of day and things are going wrong one right after the other, and you think to yourself, is this what the rest of life is going to be like? Well, sometimes we can only go from good, that's what Job was at, life is great, and then sometimes we look at all the multiplicity of chapters that all of a sudden his friends try to comfort him. And what do he say about his friends? Miserable comforters are y'all. Have you ever had that kind of friend that wanted to analyze why you're in your bad day? And especially if that kind of friend is trying to anal analyze your parenting skills and they have no children. Hey, by the way, ma'am, if you would do this and this and this and this and this with your children, they would turn out godly. Can I ask you one question before I take your advice? Do you have any children? No, but what's that got to do with it? Hey, let me tell you something. Everything you think you know about parenting, 
It will be put to the test when your children get to that age. And then you'll take that book on parenting and you will rip it up and use it as firewood. Because whoever wrote that book never had your kids. Simply put. So understand that Job here, and you travel all the way through, and I want you to look at verse number 12 of chapter 42. Now, Job, I have an opinion about Job. I have a, uh, my personal opinion about Job that I'm not going to share at this point because it doesn't matter. My opinion doesn't matter. And uh, I agree with a lot of things that are said in the book of Job uh, that, uh, that I agree with what is written about Job. I agree with, with the, the outlook on Job. But I truly believe that Job, although he had this, this, this character here, I believe it was put to the test. And I believe there were some times when Job in this test got testy. <laughs> like for, there, there was one that said this. If somebody would just let me go into the throne of God and let God and I just wrestle about this thing, he would see it my way. It, it, it was in there. Y'all, he wanted to have a wrestling match with God. Newsflash, nobody wrestles with God. But, but so Job was put to the test, and he got a little bit testy. He, he didn't like his friends. He thought his friends were terrible comforters, and he didn't mind telling them. And by the way, have you not said blunt things in the middle of pain? Have you ever been to the hospital when a nurse decided to test your pain tolerance? Right? I was standing up here one day preaching. And turned around to watch the baptistry. And I had a hernia explode right here. And I had no idea what happened. And I got home to the house. I could not even unbutton my shirt. And they took me to the emergency room. And they said, yep, you got to go into surgery right now. They gave me morphine. And that nurse said, tell me when it hurts. The morphine never touched the pain. And I was like, get off of me. And I'm like, forget I'm a pastor. I'm going to knock you out. Let me tell you something. When you're in the middle of pain, there's a blunt part of you that comes out. Then the real you comes out when you're coming out of the anesthesia. Amen? That's when you turn on the video camera and you just say, this is your daddy in real form. And, uh, but if you'll notice in verse number 12, so the Lord blessed. And please know this. And here's what I want to get across today. How do you make it through a Job kind of day? You make it through... Because you have a God that's already on the other side of your Job day. Did y'all hear that? That is so simple, it's not worth repeating, but I'm going to do it anyways. You know how you make it through a Job day? Because your God is already on the other side of that day. Going, I know what your future holds for you. And if you can just get through these days. I love this. So the Lord blessed the what please? Latter end of Job. More than his what? Do you know what we do? If you guys will flip back. If you guys in the booth, if you don't mind, flip back to this morning's slide. Do you know how we view it? We view it. It was going great. And look at how this is going to end. No, 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 no. The Job day is only a section of your life. It is not your entire life. 
You have to know this. You have to know that if you have come from something good and you happen to be in the middle, and this pains me to say it, a grayscale life. I was offended by the slide. If you're in the gray portion of your life, that was funny. If you're in the gray portion of your life, know this. This is just the middle section. Y'all listen to this. If, you're, if you can look back and say, no, no, those days. Did not Job say it? Oh, that I were as in days gone by when the Spirit. You know what Job was saying? Where I'm at right now, I can tell you it wasn't always like this. Did he not say? that They, 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 they used to ask my opinion. They, they used to stand up when I would walk into a room. I was the magnet of everything. Everything I touched turned to more. Everything I had was right there at my fingertips. And I mean, it was there. But then all of a sudden, this was him. And he gives us insight into what his life used to be. And go to tonight, guys, if you will. And I want you to look at it visibly on the screen. But when God looks at your Job day, he sees something you don't see. He sees, look at it. So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job. What is that next word after Job, please? Would you please say that? More. More than his beginning. For he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, and 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 she-asses. He also, he had also seven sons and three daughters. And I'm going to stop right there. And musicians, if you'll make your way to the, to the instruments, I'm going to stop right there and tell you this. That Job day, everything was stripped from him. And please hear this. Except what? God, his wife. Listen, everything was taken away from Job except who? And his you know what God left it right at the core? God left right at the core the vehicle to have more children. He lost it all except the two things he needed. One, a God. Two, hope. Hope. Y'all, y'all may be sitting here right now and you may say to yourself, but you don't understand, Pastor. It looks like we're losing it all. No, you're not. Because as long as you've got God, and as long as you've got a womb of hope, then your latter end is going to be better than your beginning. Look at verse 14. And he called the name of the first. And I'm not going to go through all those names. Look at verse 15. I want you to notice this. And in all the land were no women found so fair as the daughters of Job and their father. This is amazing. And he gave them. Who? His daughters. You see, the inheritance was always given to the son not the daughters. But guess what the latter end is? God wrote in his word, 
And in the land there were no more women found, so fares the daughters of Job, and their father gave them inheritance among their what? All of a sudden, all of a sudden, this latter end, this other side, God said this, I'm still alive, and I allow Satan to touch everything in your life except your wife. That you can't touch. Because I'm going to do something amazing in your life. I'm going to give you back more than what was taken away. The charismatics have so perverted this doctrine and this teaching. And this is how they become rich. I'm not asking for your money tonight. I'm not asking you to sow a seed gift. I'm not going to go to Longview's water supply and bag up miracle water. I just come to tell you this. Either God's a liar or he's true. And God's true. Did you hear that? God is true. And he gave us his word in print. And God is not a respecter of person. And Job is no more that kind of guy then you are not that kind of guy. Everybody can walk upright. Everybody can fear God. Everybody can eschew evil. Everybody can live like Job. Because y'all understand this, our God is so walking the heavens. And if you'll notice this, look at verse 16. If y'all will get to the piano and get ready, here we go. After this lived Job, and what, please? 140 years. And saw what? His sons. And his what? Sons' sons. Even, how many generations? Four. Listen, he lost one generation. That's tragic. He lost one set of sheep. That's tragic. He lost one set of... That's tragic. But God said, I'm going to let you live 140 years. And where you missed out on the generations that could have been, I'm going to let you enjoy the generations that will be. I'm just coming to you to tell you this. Don't give up on God. Because only God can take a tragedy and turn it in. And look at verse 17. So Job died being old and what? Full of days. Hey, how about tonight we make a commitment to our God. God, I'm not going to focus on what I lost. I'm going to focus on you. Because no matter what I've lost, God, you can give me back. Full days. Full days. Full days. Four generations of full days. 
Do you have any idea what this means? This means your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. And then you can die full of days. This mindset is found back in Job 19.25. Could we stand, please? Job 19.25. Job 19.25. Look what he says. Look at verse 21. Have pity upon me, have pity upon me, O ye my friends, for the hand of God hath touched me. Why do ye persecute me as God and are not satisfied with my flesh? Oh, that my words were now written. Oh, that they were printed in a book, that they were graven with an iron pen and led in the rock forever. What words? For I know that my Redeemer, what please? Let's read verse 25, 26, and 27 together. Ready? For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold, and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. How about tonight? We write it, as he said here, with an iron pen and lead in the rock. My Redeemer liveth. And God, I know that no matter what I've lost, this is not the end. How do you make it through a Job kind of day? Is because God's not living with your tough time being the end. God's living on the other side. And you have a lot many, you have many more years to live on that side of good than whatever's going on right now. I think we need to recommit to the Lord. Heads bowed, eyes closed as they play and sing.